Good morning. I'm going to read from the book of Acts, chapters 8, verses 26 to 40. Philip and the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? asked Philip. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as the lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Glenn, thank you. Uh, thank you, everybody else, and um, wonderful to share and worship together. So great. Um, I wonder, what does the word evangelism mean to you, or what does it conjure up for you? Any thoughts? Spread the word, thank you. How does it make you feel, the word evangelism? Loud, yeah. People are loud when they do that. Any other? Someone said something. Scared. Scared. Is it a bit like exercise? You think you should do it, but it's going to be painful, and you don't really want to. Challenging. Challenging. Life-changing. Well, some, you're more positive, but some of us are a bit not so sure. Any other thoughts? What will evangelism mean to you? Telling your story. Telling your story, yeah. Used to make you feel really uncomfortable. Used to make you feel really uncomfortable. 
And now you don't care, do you? <laughs> Billy Graham, yeah, the great evangelist, Billy Graham. I once was standing on a tube platform and a man came up to me and he had a megaphone under his arm. And I can't remember what he said to me, but he said something along the lines of, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Uh, I said, well, I'm a Christian. To which I thought he might say, that's brilliant. But he said, but are you? <laughs> and then he said, uh, so how many people have you witnessed to today? And I thought, uh, nobody. He said, well, if you're a real Christian, you'll be witnessing to hundreds of people every day. That's what I do. And he was saying how many thousands of people he preached the gospel to through his megaphone. Maybe he's not the best evangelist just made me feel bad. Well, in this passage, we've got someone called Philip. And uh, Philip is known as Philip the Evangelist. He ends up at the end of the passage in a place called Caesarea. And when you re-meet Philip in Acts chapter 21, about 20 years later or so, he seems to have settled in that area. He has four unmarried daughters who all prophesy, and he's called Philip the Evangelist. And the word evangelist just means someone who shares good news, like, uh, like we said. The, the evangelism is just telling the gospel. And so it's meant to be good news. It's not meant to be someone making you feel bad, someone bashing you over the head, um, someone trying to pressurize you. And actually, in this story, we see that Philip places no pressure on the man he encounters. He takes him as he finds him, and the man himself leads the way. And Philip just goes with what the Holy Spirit is leading him to do. The best kind of evangelism is evangelism where you're led by the Holy Spirit, where he's guiding you, and you're just, perhaps fearfully, but at least just trying to follow his voice. When we saw Philip last week, in the passage last week we looked at, he was preaching to the crowds. He was uh, healing the sick. He was doing amazing things publicly. But this is a one-on-one -on -one encounter. And yes, evangelism can be speaking to the crowds, like Billy Graham, but it can also, and for most of us probably, just be that one-on-one -on -one encounter with someone, coming alongside someone, as Philip does here. Now, if he hadn't been listening to God, he wouldn't have known what to do. But we're told that an angel of the Lord speaks to him. I wonder if you've ever had a voice from heaven speak to you. Maybe audibly, maybe, maybe not audibly, but you've had an impression. Maybe God's saying something. It is possible to ignore that voice. You don't have to follow what the voice is saying. Maybe you've thought afterwards, I think God was speaking to me in that moment. Well, Philip had learned to tune in, as it were, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the voice says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, why would you do that? 
Pembury Road's going to be shut. Did you know that? Six weeks. What if the Holy Spirit says, go down to Pembury Road? You'll be like, there's no point. <laughs> and it maybe was a bit like that for Philip. Why, why do I want to go down to the desert road? What's the point? Who's there? You know. <clears throat> and yet he obeyed. He followed. He didn't know what was ex- waiting for him. Didn't know what to expect, but he went down to the desert road. And there he met someone. He was someone who'd come in back from Jerusalem, uh, and he, he was someone uh, who was quite different to him. First of all, he was Ethiopian. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, we've had the day of Pentecost, and there were people from Egypt, so North Africa, uh, present, God-fearing Jews, but this is the first... Uh, to my understanding, black African met by the apostles in the book of Acts. And he's Ethiopian. Now, just to confuse the issue, when the Bible talks about Ethiopia, it's not where modern-day Ethiopia is, but it is south of Egypt. So this man was from a far country. Jesus had said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, Ethiopia wasn't the ends of the earth, but it was a bit further down the road. So Philip was meeting this man who was an Ethiopian. He was also a eunuch. And a eunuch was a man who'd been castrated. A eunuchs were often appointed to official positions, serving royalty, serving people in powerful positions. And maybe he'd been made a eunuch. In the Old Testament law, which we read about in Deuteronomy 23, this man could not have been found in the assembly of God's people because he was castrated. Oh, didn't know you were going to talk about this this morning, did you? Um, but then, actually, later on in the Old Testament, there's an amazing prophecy. Two eunuchs. Isaiah chapter 56 says this, Let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better, get this, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. What an incredible prophecy to people who are eunuchs. And Jesus himself refers to eunuchs in Matthew 19 verse 12. He says there are some who are born eunuchs, some who become eunuchs, and then some who behave like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God, effectively living a celibate lifestyle. Now, stepping slightly onto controversial ground here, some who are born eunuchs. Now, obviously, there's a massive debate, uh, a a massive issue of gender identity today, and it's controversial. If we're going to look at it properly, we need to look at it maybe another day. But there are people born, and perhaps for those born eunuchs, the term might be, and it depends who you ask, there's a term called intersex, intersex. 
Now, I'm not sure that this man was that kind of unit, but those people, God has an incredible prophecy for them, and Jesus acknowledges them in the ancient world. So this is actually nothing new. And these people often get overlooked. They're very much in the minority. But Jesus himself mentions them. So this man is Ethiopian. He's a eunuch. And he's also a really important person, a really important official. He's like the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Now you might remember some of our recent Chancellors, Chancellor of the Exchequers. Does God love them too? <laughs> Only just. <laughs> well, this man was like that. He was in charge of the treasury. He was an important person. And you know what? God was not only going to welcome him into God's family, but he was also targeting him. So this man was different. I want to say, we see in the book of Acts, and we see throughout the history of the church, God has a heart for those on the outside. God has a heart for those who are different from us. God not only welcomes them, he specifically targets them. The Holy Spirit led Philip to this man. And we're told that he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now that might not sound like a big deal. We had some of our son's friends having a sleepover on Friday night. And we still haven't recovered. But some of them just went to the shop to buy some sweets. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was because they bought energy drinks and wanted to pull an all-nighter. What stupid parents we are. <laughs> now, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. It might sound like, I just went to the shop to buy sweets. No, it wasn't. Because to go to Jerusalem to worship would have taken him months. That's incredible, isn't it? This man was prepared, busy man, powerful, respected man that he was. He was prepared to go months just to worship. Wow. How long did it take you to get to church this morning? Months. Months. <laughs> it's just incredible. He traveled to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet from the Old Testament. Now we referred back to the promise to eunuchs in Isaiah chapter 56, but it turns out this man is reading chapter 53, so he's soon to get, to get to that prophecy. Now, he's clearly wealthy because he can afford to buy the book of Isaiah or a scroll of the book of Isaiah. Do you know how fortunate we are to live in these days? To have free access. Okay, talks about access. Free access to the Bible. You know, Gene prayed for a persecuted church. Many Christians just crying out for a Bible. We have free access we have all those Bibles there we've got on our phones. Just like that. This man was reading the Bible. Now the Bible they had, they hadn't written the New Testament yet, but he had the Bible that they had, and, and part of it, just a part of it, the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit tells Philip, come alongside him. He runs up to the chariot, 
and he hears the man reading out loud. That's what you did in those days. If you were reading, you didn't just read quietly, you read out loud. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He doesn't force anything on him, he just goes with where the man is at. Do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, no, I need someone to explain it to me. This man is so ready. This man is so hungry. He's traveled for months and months. He's bought the scriptures. He's reading it even though he doesn't understand it. He's so hungry for God. No wonder the Holy Spirit has led Philip to this incredible person. Come up and sit with me. Journey with me on this desert road. And it just so happened that the man was reading an amazing passage, Isaiah 53. And in Isaiah 53, it talks about someone who suffered. Someone who will give his life. Someone who's led like a lamb to the slaughter. Someone vulnerable. Someone weak. Someone who's humiliated. Someone through whom... uh, through through whose wounds we are healed. Now we might read those words and think, well, we know who that's about as Christians. We know that that's talking about Jesus. But this man had never heard the name Jesus. And so from then on, Philip tells him the very, very, very good news about Jesus. When I was 20, I had an incredible encounter with God. And that convinced me this has got to be for real. But from then on, it still took me a while for my brain to catch up with what God had done. And one thing that helped convince me that Jesus really is the Son of God was knowing that hundreds of years earlier there were all these passages written about him. And there's not only the Gospels that talk about Jesus. It's not only the whole of the New Testament, but also the Old Testament points towards him. And it's a little bit like a jigsaw, where you've got all these random pieces, but they they all fit together in Jesus. Have you got an inquiring mind? You've got questions. This man had questions. He had an inquiring mind. He's clearly a very intelligent person. The Bible can handle our questions. I want to plug an alpha course that we're going to run in September. Thursday night, starting the 21st of September. It's a great place to come and just ask some questions. We don't have all the answers, but you can at least ask the questions. They're traveling along the the road. Philip patiently and carefully explains the gospel to this man, saying that Jesus is the one who had to die. Jesus is the one who gave his life. Jesus is the one who suffered. He came to this earth. He died. He rose again. And he did it so that we might be saved, so that the punishment that brought us peace was on him. Jesus is the one who is the good news. And then the man says this incredible thing. They come to water. He says, what can stand in the way of me being baptized? Because what about if I'm, 
I'm from a different nation. Will that, will that get in the way? We don't know if he was maybe Gentile, maybe sort of part of the diaspora, the Jews. We don't actually know for sure. But what can stand in the way? Can the fact that I'm a eunuch, will that stand in the way? God have mercy on us. So many times in churches, we've, we've put things in people's way when God wasn't putting anything in their way. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? I wonder, does anybody else want to get baptized on 27th of August? Is there something standing in your way? You know, sometimes the thing that's standing in our way is ourselves. Maybe we disqualify ourselves. We say, I'm no good. Or say, I've done too many bad things. I've got too much of a bad attitude. We disqualify ourselves. Oh, the time's not right yet. This man had not spent weeks and weeks doing a baptism course. This man had not been coming to church for years and years. He'd only just heard about Jesus. And guess what? He wanted to get baptized. Get on with it. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And the answer is nothing. The Holy Spirit is putting no barriers. Maybe you say, well, that's fine. I've been baptized. Tick that box. But what does God want to do for you today? What does God want me to receive today? And what might be standing in the way? That feeling of not being accepted, perhaps. Maybe things that feel they're more of a priority. This man was a busy man, an intelligent man, a responsible man, and yet he'd made a pilgrimage to God his top priority. What can stand in the way? So the man leads the way, he stops the chariot, and they both get down and Philip baptizes him. Now, he might have wanted to say to Philip, come with me, please, keep explaining more. But then, Philip disappears. A few weeks ago, I was listening to um, a man from Mozambique, he lives in South Africa, his name's Surprise Sitole. One time he's, I think he was in the Sudan and there were people having their heads cut off. It was, he was, there were bombs going off and suddenly God just took him out of that situation. He ended up somewhere else. <laughs> he was transported. Yes, it was like Star Trek. <laughs> Actually happened. And someone else testifies that he was praying for him for hours during that time. Just felt God wanted him to pray, pray, pray for him. And God kept him safe and delivered him from that awful situation. God can do that. God can do anything. And the man then went on his way rejoicing, knowing that nothing stood in the way of him and the good, good news. So I wonder, is there someone that God is calling you or I to, to get alongside? Someone that the Holy Spirit is whispering into our ear, just come alongside this person. You're the man, you're the woman to do this. It may be that there's someone who you are walking alongside, helping them in their journey. That's wonderful. 
Maybe you're walking alongside someone and actually God is saying, now I want you over here. God does want all of us to share the gospel, to share the good news. And if we let him, he'll lead us to do that. You don't need to be an expert. You can do what David said. You can tell your story. And that's enough. Now, I just want to leave a pause for a moment because I'm excited. I, we were praying before the service and we thought that maybe God was going to be unlocking things for people today. And I'm also excited because I know that God is working among us in this church. I was struck as Paul chose those songs and we, we sang songs that you've led me through the fire. And we do have those times where God feels like God's leading us through fire and it's not easy, but God is faithful and he's leading us. Your testimony is not necessarily all done and dusted. It's ongoing. I just want to give a little bit of space. And it may be God wants to prompt you to be very brave, very bold. And you want to come up and share that with the congregation. Don't tell the whole story. Just, but let's have a bit of quiet in God's presence as we, as we wait on him. Okay, not that much quiet. Here we go, Catherine. <laughs> it's about four weeks ago, I had... Um, my summer was sort of thrown into disarray and I came up for prayer because I just couldn't settle my mind and uh, Jean prayed for me and I don't remember most of what she said but one thing was trust and over the next bit of time every time my mind was going oh what is this, what is that just trust and uh, that, was, that was really good I had no idea how hard the last two weeks were going to be. And at the moment, I'm emotionally drained. I'm just at the end. Uh, but I am trusting. And uh, we sang that song again earlier, God's goodness is running after me. And um, I'm still there, and he's still with me. And... Um, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Sometimes we have a testimony and it's after something and everything's in the, in the garden, it's lovely. Um, but I've been having to be the, the strong person and keep going. And I just say that God has been with me and I'm still trusting him. I don't like doing this. <laughs> um, very confident when I come up and talk about kids, when I talk about things that we've been going through, it makes me feel really uneasy for some reason. Um, but I'll be really honest. Um, back in 
May, whenever John's op was meant to be, when it didn't happen, um, came into Dan's office and I told him how angry I felt at God. Um, and I did, I felt really, really angry. Um, kind of the, the Saturday after we were still in hospital, um, we were in hospital for different reasons and I just felt angry. Um, and I felt like I didn't know where we were going. Uh, from here, um, uh, we thought kind of once the op was done, that was it. And then the op didn't happen and I felt really angry about it. Um, but in that time, God, God showed me massively how he was next to me and beside me. And the last two months have been far from easy with John's health. Um, obviously, he has had his op and then we were back in hospital twice after that. Um, and any time the child now gets a cough or a cold, I'm constantly on edge that something's going to happen. Um, but I really know that God is, is by our sides and all of us and trust in that. And I think the same as, as Catherine, um, we're not out of the woods with, with it yet. Um, oh, it's making me really upset. Um, but I know that I can trust in God um, and what he's doing in it. Everyone around us has got us as well. Thank you. I just thought, um, following what both Nick and Catherine said, I wanted to share just a little um, thought that was placed into my heart a couple of weeks ago and I shared with Tuesday Club. Um, I was reading a book of meditations and the meditation that morning was when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the lady said, it's actually in the valleys that the earth is most fertile. I can certainly say that's true of the last year, because I've been through several valleys, and it was in those times that I actually knew what all those terms for God mean. You know, he's my counsellor, he's my friend, he's my God, he's my father. And it was a really, really fertile time. So I just say, you know, if you're, I've come out the other end. <laughs> but when you're in it and you don't know how long it's going to go on for, just remember that you'll be there, but God is really doing something in your life. I really didn't want to share this today. Uh, there's been a common theme. I've, I've loved this, uh, this series that Dan's done on the Holy Spirit. But there's been a common theme I felt today is that we are not just called to be evangelists, but we're called to be suffering evangelists. Mm. And I've been suffering myself uh, as this disease I have. Um, takes on new uh, forms through my body. But um, a few weeks ago, I wanted to stand up and share when Dan was preaching uh, about um, an incident that happened um, when I was 19. I hadn't been long a Christian, I think a couple of years. And I was in a Baptist church, and there were incredible things happening. 
and um, I'd not long been baptised in the Holy Spirit. And my youth group, we were living in Pentecost every single day. It was incredible. And God's voice was so crystal clear. And I'd gone down to Coventry to visit my uh, grandfather uh, who lived there. And um, I was there for a few days. And one morning I woke up and God just said to me, Patrick, go to Coventry Cathedral. I knew it was God. It was very clear. And so I went uh, down to uh, Coventry Cathedral. I could walk there from my grandfather's house. And um, there's the ruins, as you know, and then there's the new cathedral, which I don't think is a particularly interesting building. But I walked in, <clears throat> walking down the main sort of uh, walkway to the altar, and I just said, God, well, where do I go now? And God said, turn left. So I turned left and um, continued to walk, and I found myself in a huge room, a prayer room, a peace room, I think it was called, with a circular um, round of chairs. And I said, what now? And God says, sit down. <laughs> so I sat down, and I was there on my own, and then in walked a chap in his early 20s, and he sat down opposite me, and the words were pulled out my mouth. And I said to him, are you a Christian? Hmm. And um, he said to me, no, but when I woke up this morning, I just felt something telling me to come here. And so in Coventry Cathedral, both of us knelt down on the floor and I led him to Christ. It was extraordinary. A week later, God woke me up and told me to go to Coventry Cathedral. And I thought, no, now I'm delusional. So I went to Coventry Cathedral and into the same room and just sat there and wondered whether, oh, you know, I'm, maybe I'm a bit paranoid. And then another young chap walked in and sat down and I said, are you a Christian? <laughs> and he said, no, he said, but I'm searching for something. I told him the gospel and we knelt down and I led him to Christ. And it was the most wonderful thing. And so living in Pentecost is a wonderful experience. And I, can I just say, Dan, um, if you haven't yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this Pentecost, this is the time. This is, today is the day of salvation, it says in Scripture. Today is the day you can receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You are getting down. Bless you. Bless you. All right. Isn't that amazing? Amazing what God is doing. So I wonder if you're able, if you'd be willing to stand with me. Um, what can stand in the way? What can stand in the way? So maybe God is prompting you to come alongside someone. Maybe God is prompting you, or I, um, to study his word more. You know, there are times where God just wants to lead us on a journey 
And we have all the tools in the world to study the Bible. There are tons of things. Uh, maybe you want to come on the Alpha course. Maybe you want to join a small group. We've got them in this church. Maybe you just want to have a conversation with someone. Whatever is right for you. Or maybe right now, as Patrick said, as we stand here, God is wanting to do something that we can't even see coming. Philip didn't know what was coming. So I just invite us all just to be available to God. Who knows what he wants to do this morning? Last week he was encountering people powerfully last Sunday morning and I've no doubt the Holy Spirit is doing the same again. So don't try too hard. We would just say, come Holy Spirit. We receive what you're doing and we bless what you're doing, Lord. Come Holy Spirit of God. children are noisy, don't worry about it. It's because there's life in this church. <laughs> That's a good thing. And if you start sensing, maybe, just maybe, you sense a, a, a physical manifestation. I'm not trying to hype this up, but maybe sometimes people in God's presence start feeling heat or tingling or even a, a, a trembling. And if that's you, just just don't resist the Holy Spirit. Let him do what he wants to do. Come Holy Spirit, bless you Lord. Just had a really, really strong image looking out where I'm currently sat at the congregation, and I could just see a raging inferno hovering above the whole congregation. Not, not a little fire, a raging inferno that no one's getting hurt because the spirit of God is not just hovering but but lighting fires and if you've got your eyes closed and you don't think anything's happening something's happening even if you don't feel it God is doing something in you but if you want to do something if you want to laugh or sing shake God says don't 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 hold back don't don't hold back 
just let it happen. Yeah. That fire Tom talked about is the fire of God's love. Be baptized in God's love, even today. 